What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie, joined as always by my co-host and best friend, Nick Veronica. Nikki V, what is going on with you this week, my friend? Charlie, welcome back to the pod. We uh, we took two weeks off and the Bills put up like 75 points. Maybe we should do this more often. Yeah, that really wasn't a plan two weeks off. I had a vacation planned and schedules just kind of got in the way. You know, we don't really like to miss podcasts during the season. However, uh, family vacation kind of took a little present over the pod. So apologize to the listeners, but we're back this week. And what a week to be back. Buffalo puts up 75 points in the last two games. They're looking good. Josh Allen is looking calm, cool, and collected in the pocket. Looking like a totally different quarterback than what we saw in week one. And the Buffalo Bills are welcoming welcoming in the Miami Dolphins, who just put up 70 points in one game. And we're going to talk about that 70 points later on. But, Nick, let's start with what have you seen from this Buffalo Bills team in the last couple of weeks? Um improved maybe still need to work on what are your thoughts well they look like the team we expected to see and uh i guess if you wanted to be you can call it negative or you can call it real you can they played two bad teams the raiders are bad and washington is bad do you really think washington's bad yeah okay I, will, uh, I don't know. I have... They have some players. I think Sam Howell's actually like made some some good throws this year. He's like kind of you know more than just a guy, but uh, he 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 looked. The Bills made him look bad. I mean, he ran himself into a few sacks. He's uh, they got a ways to go. You think that there's? I don't think there's any chance that team finishes above five hundred. Oh, I absolutely do. You think? Yes. Is now, do a... I think? Do I think they can go in and beat a team like the Cowboys? I, I mean. If you would have told me the Cardinals were going to beat the Cowboys, I would have called you crazy. But I think they could beat Philadelphia. I think Sam Howell is a good quarterback. I think I the think Eagles can beat Philadelphia. I'm I'm thinking in their division, Eagles Cowboys clearly better, and you know they have a game with the Giants like that. That's more on par to me. They also have two games with the Giants. The Red the uh, Commanders do. So there's two games with the Giants, which are pretty much going to be wins. In my opinion, oh, okay, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that's going to be more of a competitive game with them, the Giants. Like that's kind of the level no way. I see them at. I I think they're a. a I don't want to say very good football team, but I think they're a good football team. I don't, you know, maybe they maybe they make a wild card spot, but I think they're going to be in a playoff hunt all year long. Well, you know, the Bills were always in the playoff hunt at five and seven. Yeah, but I don't mean they're going to be five and seven. I mean, I think they finished above five hundred. And they're looking to get in within the last two weeks of the hmm. season. All right, so I don't know. I'm you're saying this on the strength of their defense or on? on you know, oh yeah, yeah I mean strictly strict on the strength of their defense. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. Um, you know they have a big game uh, coming up this week with Philadelphia, so we'll see what they can do to bounce back. You know you're going from Buffalo to Philadelphia. You know questionable, but then <laughs> their schedule is fairly easy. They got the Bears. The Falcons, the Giants, back to back to back. Um, that's a good have, right have stretch. At home. Yeah, I mean, that's three games. You can go be three and two, or four and two by the end of that. Um, okay. Or, or I'm right. sorry, five and two. I mean, that's that's huge. That's huge for them. So, yes, I do think they're much better than what uh, what we saw last week. I just think, the right. Buff- oh, listen, I think the Bills that was that was like- my negative point, and you're even crapping on that point a little bit. So my, my positive point is that I have loved the offensive 
game plan and they're they're letting josh allen stay calm they're making it a little bit easier for him and he's thriving i mean that mm-hmm. that's exactly what we want to see and it's worked against uh, all right listen you, you, you can knock the washington if you want to do that the raiders are just bad and i'm not yes. hearing anything else okay uh it worked against them i'm really looking forward to this week against miami this is a heavyweight fight this is where we're gonna we're gonna see what what they're made of i'm looking forward to it I mean, the Rays are so bad, they're driving Chris uh, Chandler Jones just absolutely crazy. Um, that guy's not doing okay. No, no. Um, you know, he needs some help, but, uh, you know, hopefully the organization does something for him. Uh, but anyway, I mean, without him on that defense, it, it definitely shows. I mean, he was a game changer last year for them at times on the defensive line. And you know that they are hurting. On both sides of the ball, look, you had the the rush, the leading rusher of the league last year in Josh Jacobs, who was held to uh, negative two yards rushing. I mean, Nick, you sitting there right now, you have rushed for more yards sitting there right now than what Josh Jacobs ran against the Buffalo Bills. All of you listening, you did it. Congrats. <laughs> and, and, and look, and in all honesty, man, I think the Raiders are a very bad football team. They're very bad. Jimmy G is not the answer. They overpaid for Jimmy G. Um and I think it's just gonna, a matter of time before a tire fire breaks out at uh, in Las Vegas. Um, you know, again, I think the Buffalo Bills just have that good of a defense. And I think when you talk about the commanders and Sam Howell and what they did to him, I don't want to say that it's a, a bad Sam Howell. I want to say, you know, tip my hat to Sean McDermott and say Sean McDermott knew what he was going up against in a first-time starting quarterback and Sam Howell starting his first season coming off with a bunch of confidence after two big wins thinking that he could really go out there and pro- and try to gunsling on this football team don't forget Nick the commanders had a few drives where they marched down the field and the defense just made you know just got a turnover you know you had Tredavious White who dove in front of the ball and got an interception you had the Micah Hyde interception um, you know a few of those interceptions the commanders were driving they had a few big plays that beat Buffalo. They could have put points up early, and we were looking at a totally different football game. Yeah, they, they really should have scored on the red zone trip, and it was a good stand for the Bills' defense, but they had a guy wide open in the end zone. Yeah. If, if Sam Howell would have looked back to his left, he had an easy touchdown. But again, you know, you credit this Buffalo Bills' defense. You credit Sean McDermott. You credit the confusion that he's given uh, you know, to these quarterbacks. I think I texted you uh, early on in the game last week. They The Buffalo Bills' defense looked, like the definition of Ben don't break last week at times where you saw them give up the big play. You saw them allow the commanders to get into the red zone, but then they create a turnover or they get a big stop in the red zone, something like that. And I'm okay. If that's the defense we see all year, if that's what you got to do to, to keep points out of the, uh, off the other team's scoreboard, I'm okay with that. Okay, so tell, tell, talk to me about the offense here. Are they are they back? Are they are your concerns they have in week one? Is that been calm now? How are you feeling? Um, you know, I, I won't say they're back until after this week. I'm curious to see what kind of offense we get because, again, the last two weeks, all in all, fairly easy football games for Josh Allen. Josh Allen can go out there, throw the short passes, take what's given to him, and go from there. This is a much bigger football game. Much more eyes are going to be on Josh Allen and this football team. How does Josh Allen respond? Do we see the Josh Allen we saw when all the eyes were on him on national television on Monday Night Football? 
where he just is okay everyone's watching me i gotta be superhero josh allen or do we see cool uh calm cool usa josh allen um i i don't know which josh allen we're going to get but this entire game as most games but this entire game is really going to sit back and rely on which josh allen shows up to play sunday afternoon in orchard park yeah i agree i agree with that it's his uh the temperature is gonna raise a little bit internally here and and even the last i'll, I'll say the last two games you could have confidence that even if you don't start the way you want to start you're still going to come back and beat the raiders this game against miami this is going to be a track meet right from the start and if you get behind Good luck catching up. Like, like Josh Allen needs to play well out of the gate, and I'm interested to see how he handles that. Where's your faith in Sean McDermott as a defensive coordinator right now? As a defensive, that's an interesting question because I want to say it is is a high, and you could tell me almost as high as has been since he's been here, like like near that level. Um, what what I do have questions about is is can they stop the speed? I feel like this matchup is the type of matchup that has beaten Sean McDermott's defense in the past. I think Tyreek Hill has had some some success against him, and he's he's Tyreek Hill has success against everybody. But this is this this is a lot of speed, Charlie. This is a lot of speed. They got they can run the ball. When the Bills have been beaten, it's a lot of times it's been run defense that's let them down. There's a lot a lot of speed out there, and then, you know in some ways it, it's. I think it's going to do the Bills a favor that they've already seen how the Patriots defended this defense, and maybe take a few pointers there. I think the Bills have definitely had an improved run defense the last two weeks. Um, you know, obviously they gave up some big runs to Brees Hall uh, week one. But in all honesty, Nick, outside of those two big runs to Brees Hall, they didn't give up a lot on the ground. No, they, I mean, they've been good, but but you can't afford to give up those big runs because you're not facing a guy who's coming back off of a blown tire in Brees Hall. You're facing a guy like Raheem Mozart who may be just as fast as Tyreek Hill. Sure. With the ball in his hands. Devon right? A. Chain. Like, these guys can right. fly all over the field. There's going to be design runs for Hill. Jalen Waddell could be back this week. It, it, it's just it's a different type of offense. And honestly, what Mike McDaniel is doing, if you've watched some of their games, the way he's been using motion, the pre-snap stuff, they're just move, they're toying with defenses, moving people all over the field, making them think it's coming one way, pulling somebody from away from the point of attack with their motion. And but. Oh, yeah, these guys who can fly, they're also getting a head start by be- being in motion some of the time. I think the big thing's going to be this week for this defense is taking away that middle of the field from Tua. You know, in the games that I've watched this this year, it has been, yes, he has, you know, been able to beat some teams deep, getting Tyreek Hill or one of those guys open deep. That's fine. Seen it. It's going to happen. However, you take away that middle of the field, a lot of his passes come in the middle of the field and crossing routes or, you know, they're sending one guy up the sideline and, and, and kind of sneaking a guy in behind the defense in the middle of the field. I think if you take away that middle of the field, I still think where Tua struggles is making those passes to the sidelines. I mean, something I saw, I think this is, this is still holding Tua has the, or if not the, like one of the fastest times to throw and also one of the best average depth of target, which is just crazy. He's getting the ball out as quick or quicker than anyone else in the league. And he's throwing deeper than anyone in the league. Like those two things are not supposed to go together. Well, Tua, Tua, two of Tua's 
say that three times fast. Two of Tua's, um, you know, strengths have, have been anticipation and getting rid of the football. Those were his strengths coming out of college. And Josh McDaniels has Josh, yeah, Josh McDaniels has done a really good job of uh, putting together a offense. So you you're talking about Mike McDaniel? I'm sorry, Mike McDaniels. I'm thinking of. I'm still we're back still in talking about Vegas. the Raiders. Still back in Vegas. Um, Mike McDaniel has done a really good job of putting together a offense based around Tua that allows him to get rid of that ball quickly. Now look, Tua doesn't have the height that you get in a quarterback like a Josh Allen. What is your way to go around that? Get your hands up. You know, Buffalo's got some big guys outside of Ed Oliver on that on that D line. I won't be surprised if we see um, Greg Rousseau play more of a defensive tackle role, strictly because of height and him being able to block passing lanes, getting his hands up uh, to to block Tua's vision to get mm-hmm. that ball out. That's interesting. I mean, Tua has been when healthy a very good player in the NFL, especially in this offense. And one of the, the tasks this week for the Bills defense is they need to confuse him. They need, they need to make him uncomfortable. They may need to make him doubt what he's seeing and make him hesitate. So the, their offense is built on getting the ball extremely quickly, finding the hole in the defense. The defense is going to show itself pre-snap. You may have an easy choice. So what they need to do this week is make, give him his hardest mental game yet. They need to make him doubt what he sees. They need to make him hesitant. They need to make throws come out before he wants to get the ball out because their offense is designed to see it, throw it, send it right away. Don't think it's there. Boom. And are you ready to jump that? Are you worried about getting hit? Are you worried about shit? That's not what I thought I saw. All those things like that's what the Bills defense needs to do. And maybe with the speed, can you risk blitzing? Is it going to have to be four? I'm, I'm not really sure. I think if I'm Buffalo, I'm sending three, and it's I'm going to three, and I'm dropping a guy like a Greg Rousseau, a you know if I, if I don't have Greg playing, you know in that defense tackle role, I'm dropping him into some kind of coverage, just some another big body in the middle to take away take away something for Tua. Right again, take away that middle of the field, force him to throw to the sidelines. His deep ball, I don't know if you watched the game against New England. His deep ball, while he does have an arm at times, and he does a really good job of finding the deep ball to the wide open receiver, his deep ball struggles along the sidelines. And you can force him to throw that ball to the sidelines. I think Buffalo has the safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Porter to be able to make him force him into interceptions. Now, one thing you mentioned is the speed that this Miami Dolphins offense has. Mm-hmm. One negative that I've noticed about this Buffalo Bills team is that in the secondary this year, they have seemed old. Old and slow. Mm-hmm. How does that change? Well, you got a speedster in Kyer Elam who's been sitting on your sidelines, been a healthy scratch for the last three weeks. Do we see more of him? He was very successful in his games against Miami last year. Do we see Kyer Elam come in in some kind of role? Do we maybe see a guy like a uh, Damar Hamlin not be scratched this week and come in and play? And Jordan uh, Porter's missed, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. From what I read on Banged Up Bills, it looks like it's just a knee contusion. Uh, he believes that Porter should be good to go on Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I still think he's going to play, but that doesn't mean right. That doesn't mean you know everybody's boy Demar Hamlin won't be active for the first time this year. How much more do we see a guy like Taylor Rapp? You know, do, do, does Buffalo come out and play? 
a three safety look. Look, I'm not going – I don't want to say that we've seen everything that Miami has to offer on the offense side of the ball because I don't think that we have. But I think their offense is fairly explainable. While, while in Coach McDermott's words, revolutionary, explain what they do. They send a guy in motion and do a lot of pre-snap stuff to confuse the defense. We know that. Any Tom, Dick, or Harry watching a Miami Dolphins football game this year could tell you that. Well, if it's that easy, how come everyone hasn't done it? That's the problem. No one has been able to figure out what Tua is doing because Tua gets rid of that ball so quick, and he does a really good job of looking off his one, going to his two, going to his third so fast. That's where the struggles come in, right? I'm not saying that Buffalo is going to figure it out, but in my opinion, I think that we're going to see something from this defense that we have not seen all year, and I think it's something that Sean McDermott has sat back and said, I know this is the defense that we built. This is what I wanted, and this is why I built this defense. was for strictly four games against Miami when you have to play these teams with speed. So I, you- I, I think we're going to see some differences this week specifically from Sean McDermott. Are you worried that the defenses they employ to try to calm down the passing game are going to leave them vulnerable to runs? I don't know. You know, you go back to the Kansas City game from a couple years ago, and what did they do to Kansas City? They invited Kansas City to pat, to run the ball all over them. Run the ball. You're not going to be us with the pass. Do you do that this week? Do you just invite them to run the ball all over you? I not think allow to Miami's running game this year is way better than the Chiefs have had in the in the entire Mahomes era. No? Okay. No? I, I, you I, again, here's my issue with Miami. And and I guess in you know you brought it up with with the commanders as well, but in all honesty, what strong defense has Miami played? The only strong defense, quote unquote, I guess you could say strong, is New England's, mm-hmm. and they looked pedestrian in the second half. New England, whatever Bill Belichick did in that second half, slowed down that Miami Dolphins offense. Look, they were a first down away from pretty much winning that game. New England was. Um, which still, I still say it was a first down, even though the officials say otherwise. Um, but what other defense have they played? They played the Denver Broncos, who, let's be honest, Nick, they may be the worst. I know the Bears are a team right now in the league, but, man, I think the Denver Broncos might be the worst team in the entire NFL this year. They they have me considering starting Chicago Bears in fantasy this week. And even for how bad they are, they even put up 20 points again. And look, I know they put up 70 points, how much of the starters were paying, playing at that point. They still put up 20 points against the, 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 the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, that, that's where my question comes up. Who has the Miami Dolphins played this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd say New England has a good defense, and you're right that that was clearly their lowest output of the season, 24 points. I mean, they played the Chargers in week one, one by two points. Yeah, Chargers you, you knew before that game started, you knew that was going to be like a, you know, 30 to 29, who can, who's going to lose the game type of game. And of course, the Chargers can lose the game as well as anyone. I, th- I think this game's going to be a shootout no matter what, no matter how good this Bills defense is. But I think Miami's defense is worse than the Bills defense. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call their offenses even because I don't think they are. Buffalo doesn't have that speed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
you I think you'd have to say Buffalo's offense is not clicking the way Miami's is right now. Um yeah, I would I would say that. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean I mean I like you can like the Bills long term more, but like in the in the moment, Miami's obviously on a bit more of a roll. Exactly. I mean look, and at some point Miami was on a roll last year too, and you know, they, they went on a you know kind of a downslope. You know, they they lost, I think, four games in a row. And that's what took him out of, you know, winning the division and put him in as a wild card team. Well, something else that happened in the Bills Dolphins game last year was Matt Milano got the Tua. He hurt and he got injured. Do you, do you, I mean, I, I got to think getting bodies on Tua is going to be a huge part of the game. But again, it's how much are, how you, the one thing Tua is doing different this year than last year is Tua is doing a really good job of getting rid of that ball, like you said, in two seconds. Literally, I mean, the, the, the time, of the stats is showing two seconds, I think maybe two and a half at the most. How do you get a body to him in two and a half seconds? Well, uh, I mean, I know obviously this is easier said than done. And if it would work, people would do it. Can you get bodies on these guys at the line? Can you bump their routes? Can you make, I mean, I mean, you could say Tyreek Hill so fast, you know, you try to do that and he's boom, he's by already, but I, what, what are you going to do? You got to bump somebody off the route. You got to make it take longer somehow. I mean, and that's the thing, right? You got to find a way to allow two to hold on to that ball for, say, three to four seconds, right? This Bills defensive line might be the best defensive line that we've seen, maybe in the last five years, six years, Nick. Probably, and you're saying you're saying that without Vaughn, without Vaughn, best defensive line that we've seen in the best in in the Sean McDermott era, without Vaughn Miller. Man, through, when he comes three back, games, like, yeah. Right. It's it's scary if he, when he comes back right now. But Greg Greg Rousseau is looking good. Leonard Floyd is looking looks good. Looks great. And Oliver looks great. And Oliver is looking like a dude who signed a discounted deal with <laughs> Buffalo at this point. And and let's not forget the aide the wily veteran himself, Daquan Jones, who has looked good. Mm-hmm. The one who it, hasn't looked good yeah. who has disappointed me is Puna Ford, but Mm-hmm. Was expecting more out of him. Maybe we see him this week as more of a run stopper on the defensive line. Um, but I think, look, this Bills defensive line is good. And and okay, sure, you want to give the Dolphins offensive line their credit. Go ahead. But again, I asked the question: What defensive line have they gone up against this year that has really been a test for them? They haven't. Miami's, or I'm sorry, New England's defensive line is not great. But their linebackers and safeties and DBs are, are are good. But what great defensive line have they gone up against? I mean, Buffalo's, you want to give Miami their flowers, put up 70 points, fine. Buffalo just had nine sacks in a football game. Yeah. So, All right, well, listen, speaking of that, and speaking of the line, let's move back one step. Let's talk about linebackers. We know what the Bills have in Matt Milano. How about Terrell Bernard? You were a guy talking about Christian Kirksey as, as much as, you know, what, two, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Ter- is Terrell Bernard answering all your questions? I mean, man, he has been outside of week one. I think week one, week one was definitely his one preseason game, right? He made mistakes that week. Um, the, Again, I, I will, I will sign a uh, Terrell Bernard apology form. If we get another big game from him and I don't need, you know, the same stat, stat line as what he had last week. Right. I mean, that's virtually unheard of. I don't need an interception. I just need him to 
get to his holes, make the tackles when he has to make tackles. Um, it looked like he's belonged. I I think getting that game from Terrell Bernard last week. Well, and let, let me phrase this it this way. That game we had from Terrell Bernard last week, did we ever have a game like that from Tremaine Edmonds? Well, I mean, you just said it was it was a historic game. The last player to do that in the regular season was was uh Erlocker in like two thousand seven. And it happened in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl fifty it happened. So that was like an all time historic performance. So no, obviously Tremaine Evans did not did not have any historic performances, Charlie. Or or okay. got a historic or, contract, but he did have a historic contract. But I mean anything close to that, right? Like I think that we as a you know, football team or as a fan base thought that a guy like Troy Bernard was going to, you know, big shoes to fill and filling in for Tremaine Edmonds. And I think Tremaine Edmonds was very good at what he did. However, Troy Bernard is just really showing that he is, can be really all over the field. Everyone wants to compare him to, to Erlacher. Go ahead, dude. He's not Erlacher. You know who he is? He's Matt Milano. <laughs> he is a Matt Milano middle linebacker. Who's built like a safety. I don't think anyone's comparing him to Erlacher. I think they're just saying the last person to do that right, was right, Erlacher, right, for right. the record. But I'm comparing him to Matt Milano. He is. He. He. What, what's one thing we mentioned on this podcast with the whole middle linebacker discussion? What about moving Matt Milano to middle linebacker? We had that discussion briefly. I think we both said that. Yeah, we had that, and we said I'm sure he'd be good at it, but he's already guaranteed to be elite at where he is. Like, don't mess with that. But now you don't have to because you have Matt Milano playing middle linebacker and his name is Troy Bernard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we got that's a high compliment. I'm just saying Matt Milano is incredible. I think very highly of his play. I'm Either not way, both to, of them I'm are not, on pace for 17 interceptions. This I'm time. not ready to crown Bernard that just yet, but he's had some good games. And listen, this game is is going to be the test. Like this is this is what we're looking forward to. The Bills can you can beat down on lower teams, and you should do that. This you know you, you know you. You could be there's um, I'm not saying this, Charlie, but you could be encouraged even if the Bills lose the game in some facets here. Like th- this is the heavyweight one. Yeah, right now in the AFC, you still got the Chiefs, and it looks like you know Bills Dolphins is probably the, the next two. This is a potential AFC championship game. I think so. I again, dude, it, what to uh. Is to a healthy all year. Yeah, well, he's healthy this week. Exactly. I mean, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm so much different than everyone else. I look. I think Tua is a good quarterback, but I also think Tua is a system quarterback. Yeah, and it's working right for now. <laughs> but yeah. someone's going to come in and shake up that system. We saw it with the Wildcat. Remember the Wildcat was his revolutionary offense and it was going to take over the Yeah, league? but you knew the Wildcat was a gimmick. This this is this is run game and pass game with this like speed that we've almost never seen before. But again, I but that's the that is the thing, Nick. Run game and pass game, great, but what elite defenses have they played? They haven't. No, well, They've we're gonna find out. That's what I keep saying. Defense. And that and that's my argument back to everyone else who wants to talk about how great they are. Fine. They have not had to play a top 10 defense this year. This is their first time going up against top 10 defense. And it's a different as, as different as this Miami dolphins offense is from last year. This Buffalo bills defense is just as different. 
Yeah. All right, Charlie. Listen, we've talked enough about the Dolphins here for a little bit. Talk to me some more about the Bills. I want I want to ask you two two questions here. I want you to tell me through three games you have been most impressed with what and most disappointed or frustrated with what. Start with the bad. Frustrated with offensive play call. I think too many times this year it's been pass on first down, run on second and long, and then try to pass it on third and long. I think I saw a stat somewhere. I heard it on the radio. I believe the Bills lead the league in, like, fewest yards gained on first down. Wow. Um, You know, so with them running on second down, you're forcing yourself into a second and long situation. Um, I think the first drive against... The Raiders was a perfect example of that, of what we've seen. And I think James Cook has had a phenomenal season. I think James Cook has looked great. Much, much different than what we saw last year from Devin Singletary. Much different James Cook than what we saw last year. But Buffalo find a way to get second and short situations and not sit there and set up a second and eight, a second and nine, or a second and ten type of situation to force yourself into a short run and then force yourself into a third down. I texted you this during the Raiders game was happy with the way the offense was playing. Didn't like how many third downs they had to face. That's fair. There's too much uh, that can go wrong. And, and another, uh, you know, go back to play call uh, the fourth and one or fourth. Yeah. Fourth and one last week. Why was that your play call? You have Josh Allen who loves to run the ball and loves to get hit. I understand you're up, but you're only up 16 to nothing. The game's not technically put away yet, even though the stat sheet would tell you differently. Game's not put away yet. You need to find a way to pick up that fourth and one, and passing on fourth and one was absolutely stupid. I think they even showed a clip of Jack Del Rio looks at the Bill Silent and goes, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, that's your play call on fourth and one? Where's the tush push? Philly's having massive success with the tush push. Why aren't you doing that with your six, seven behemoth ham hock of a quarterback? That That's certainly a word. So I, I, that's where I stand. I'm still not impressed with Ken Dorsey. And I'll say this too, as much as I said about Sean McDermott, I don't think we've seen the entire offense yet. Mm-hmm. I think we see a big Dalton Kincaid game this week. I think we see a big game for Hardy this week or even Shearfield, but one of those two guys are going to have a big game. And I think we see a big Dalton Kincaid game. I think this is the Dalton Kincaid breakout game. Before I say what I'm impressed with, what, where do you stand with something that you were, you know, still kind of most disappointed with after three weeks? All right. I got to go with, with pass catching depth. I think we talked a ton all off season. Who can they bring in? Who can they target? Is this person interested through three games, it's still been Stefan Diggs plus question mark. They have not found another answer. Gabe Davis makes a great play and then goes quiet for an hour straight. It's it's frustrating. Kincaid has been, you know, he's shown some flashes. He's he's not an elite player in the league yet. Dawson Knox is there. They have some of their other guys. 
Every, everybody's kind of there, but there, there's no clear-cut secondary option, and that has been very frustrating. We know that's the thing that they need. We've known it for months. Every fan could tell you that, and then it comes to the games, and it's still a problem. It's it's Stefan Diggs is amazing, and there's just going to be games where teams teams shade their coverage to take him away, and then what? Uh, and we have not seen that yet. So I, that's that's what I have to, I have to go with. I, I would agree with you on on that as well. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm so excited for this week. I just can't put yeah. anything to words. Listen, t- Gabe Davis, talk to me here. He's he's not having the drops like he had. We talked in, in a the lot Jets of that game. man. I I take that back on on Ken Dorsey. You, you put it on Ken Dorsey that Gabe Davis isn't dropping the ball. <laughs> no, I put it on Ken Dorsey that there's not more design passes for. Okay, wait, or, okay. wait, or just or design plays to get a guy like Gabe Davis open. Look, I know okay. he has a limited route tree, but you got to find ways to scheme him open. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Like my point is, like he's not even making the mistakes he was making. He's just the ball's just not going to him. And I th- and that's where I I put the blame on on Dorsey. You know, look, yeah. Josh Allen is comfortable with Stefan Diggs. My fantasy team loves it. Not, so comfortable. Not, not the league we're in, but a different league. Got both of them on my team. That's a good Fantasy stack, Charlie. Great stack. Um, but you got to find ways to scheme Gabe Davis open. Uh, uh, last week, the deep touchdown to Gabe Davis. That was there was two guys that ran a route on that play. If you go back to watch that play, two guys ran a route. They both ran the same route. Do I think that's a good, you know, drawn up play? No, but I firmly believe that that entire play was designed to get the ball to mm. Gabe Davis. That was a great play. And guess that was the only catch he had the entire game. I looked down at the stat sheet in the fourth quarter and I said, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you serious? This well, and he's in the contract year this year. Let's not forget either. So for him, if he can't get, you know, start getting the football, you've got to move on. And everyone wants to sit down and blame. Oh, well, Buffalo's got to draft the first round receiver. What receivers have really been there in the first round for Buffalo in the last few years for them to say, hey, I'm going to take this guy in the first round? Now, look, you you can look back every year and say, oh, this guy was taken after them in the second round or third round. Doesn't mean anyone's pounding the table for that guy in the first round. Um, do you think Buffalo makes a trade? There's a few disgruntled receivers out there right now, one of which they just played a couple weeks ago uh, in Las Vegas whose cap hit is fairly manageable for this year. Do you make a move for like a Devontae Adams or, you know, go is get Devontae yourself Adams a Devontae Adams cap hit manageable? I believe he's like six mil this year. Really? Uh, I had not uh, heard that before. I mean, if a guy, Devontae Adams is one of the best guys in the entire league. If they can add him, absolutely go for it. Uh, I would, my, 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 point before this would have been i don't know what they can afford right now mm-hmm. but they, they would they could make some room i don't know so don't this know. so this year we are in the year 2023 his base salary this year is six million dollars with a cap hit of 14 million yeah, well, the signing bonus would stay with the Raiders, so mm-hmm. it would just be the base coming over. What does he have next year? Next year, that's the, that's where the issue comes in. Next year is a $16 million. 
with a potential right. out in 2025. Yeah, so I mean, it's weird on a trade because all the bonus money's already been paid, and that hit stays with the team. The right. Bills could do a cap conversion next year. I mean, you're, it's interesting, but it's also like the guy's probably gonna want to redo his deal, and he's I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of options out there, but we could we could. That that doesn't feel like a Brandon Bean move in season to go get a huge player like that. Not you, you're, you, let's face it. The team, the thing that's going to hold this team back, and I think we both can say this: the thing that's going to hold this team back is going to ha- be the lack of a lack of a number two receiver, a real number two receiver. Yeah, I mean, something I get worried about is, you know, we used to say if Davis White goes down, the Bills have no corner depth. I mean, that's really scary. Uh, they have built up corner depth. If Stefan Diggs goes down, yikes! That's really scary. <sighs> I don't even want to think about it, Eric. Knocking on wood over here, but uh, just you know, everyone, you know, if the quarterback gets hurt, of course your season's over. If Stefan Diggs gets hurt, what does the Bills' offense look like? Holy cow! I think we see a sugar high Josh Allen until Steph comes back. Might be good for fantasy. Get a lot of rushing yards. But look, I, I mean, in in Sean McDermott's words, man, next man up. Who's your next man up? You got Hardy. You got you got Shearfield. I believe in Trent Shearfield. I think he's a yeah, I Good like receiver. all those guys. They're not Stefan Diggs. No, no. But I think at that point, you know, a lot of the double teams coming off of that side. Maybe you start finding a guy like a Gabe Davis. Maybe who knows? I I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. But you need to go find help at wide receiver two. And I know it's not like Brandon Bean to go do it, but Sean McDermott said himself, this team needs a wide receiver two, and you still don't have one. Charlie, you said some of those names. You've unlocked today's trivia question of the day. All right. You talked about Hardy. You talked about Sherfield. Are you ready for the trivia question? Sure. Trivia question is, through three games, what offensive personnel, what players have the Bills used the most on the field at the same time? Uh, I'm going to say it has been Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. But who and, else? No. Like, well, just, just give me the skill players. Oh, the skill players? Yeah. So Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Hardy, Dawson Knox, and Dalton Kincaid, and and James Cook. That's too many players. <laughs> Wait, like which which? Okay, eleven people on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Take away linemen and the quarterback, so it's just the the five skill guys on the field, and the running which... back. Then take the running back away too. No, he's a skill guy. Okay. Keep him. Like, 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 which, which five skill players have they used the most together? On the okay. Field? Okay. Which offensive grouping? Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, James Cook, Dawson Knox, Don Kincaid. That's my five. That is correct. That's the twelve, the eleven and a half personnel we talked about. Also, that's correct. Okay. The question for you: Who's second? What grouping is second? Oh, geez. Because I'll tell you what, I thought about this earlier. I, th- I thought about it for like three seconds. I'm like, yeah, it's got to be like that 11 and a half that we talked about. Like, And that is. I had no idea what the next one was. I want to say it's Steph, James Cook, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, and Hardy. Uh, Okay. Cook. That one, the, that group of players that you just said? James Cook, Diggs, Hardy, Davis, Knox. 
Yes. Has been on the field together nine plays this year. That's it? That's it. Holy cow. I thought for sure that would be what we'd be seeing a lot more of when they weren't in 12 personnel. All right. I was very surprised to see the the second highest. And by the way, the Bills change out their people a ton. Like like they have the top, the top, the 11 and a half personnel. That's been used only 34 plays this whole year. Like they really change out their guys. Their second most frequent grouping, take off James Cook, put on Latavius Murray. So it's Diggs and Davis, Knox Kincaid with Latavius Murray instead of Cook is their second most frequent group. I like Latavius Murray this year. He looks good. He looks yeah. like a dude, like a real dude, like somebody you, you're worried about. Yeah. I mean, it helps that he's the size of Josh Allen and he's just pounding the ball. He's, he's attacking people. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's... he does – he plays just like Josh Allen when he runs the ball, too, if you think about it. Just not hurtling over anybody. But, yes, I, I like that grouping. I really like Latavius Murray. I've been very happy with him and, and Damian Harris when he has gotten the ball <laughs> as well. Um, But definitely have been pleasantly surprised with Latavius Murray. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm shocked that he's been on the field that much doesn't seem like it um but that that second group is an interesting group all right charlie who have you been most impressed with we can get back to your complimentary mm, comments do we want to say i mean obviously trell bernard it's kind of a no-brainer um but you know what after week one let's give our flowers to spencer brown and the bills offensive line Okay, that's a good choice. No sacks given up last week. I think one sack against Oakland. I don't even know, or against Las Vegas. I don't even know if they credit it as a sack because I believe it was a Josh Allen run that got stopped. So I don't believe they credited credited it as a sack. But Bills' offensive line has looked improved. The running game has looked better behind this offensive line. Um, very very impressed with them. All right, that's a great choice. Uh, that was one of my top considerations, but I'll go with Tredavious White. Coming mm. back last year off the ACL, it was it was not not up to his amazing standard. He was he was good, but it wasn't up to his standard. He's a great, I think, through the first three games. He is definitely back, and I'm um, I'm happy for him. It was definitely a tough period for him to go through that, and he looks like he is back. So he's got a tall task this week, but he's been playing very well so far. Yeah, uh, Travis White has looked really, really good. Um, I mean, and, you know, you're, you're talking about the defense, talking about the corners. Um, what's his name on the other side? Has looked just as good. Christian Bedford has had had a really, really good start to the season. How worried are you about Kyrie Elam being inactive three games in a row? Because that screams trade bait. What what position do we say Buffalo needs? Receiver. What do they have a good number of? You defensive backs. Vince me as cornerback. Defensive backs that could start in this league. If I'm Buffalo, I'm calling a team. I, my my thought is Super Bowl or bust. Do I really need the thirty two the thirty second overall pick this year in the draft? I could live without it. 
if I'm Buffalo, I'm trading a first round pick in Kyrie Elam and get myself a real number two receiver. That's what I think Elam's future is. Him and a draft pick, maybe a first round pick, maybe a second round pick, and go and get your number two receiver. What do you think about Jerry Judy? All for it. Much better than Gabe Davis. Honestly, Nick, I would take any number number two receiver off of any other team. And wow, they're better than Gabe Davis. That, outside, outside of like the Bears. Are you the telling Bears me that you think together. the Bills have the worst number two receiver in the league? If not the worst, then one of the worst, yes. Limited. The, that the, is the, really harsh. The thing that my reasoning for that is his lack of route tree and how lazy he looks at times coming out of his route. That that's harsh. I'm just we we've just been saying he looks better this year. He's not having the drops. The ball's just not coming his way. And you're blaming Ken Dorsey for that like 20 minutes ago. And now you're saying he's the worst number two in the well, league. Basically, like, he's not getting the ball enough this year to prove himself. And you look at his numbers from last year. He declined last year a lot. He had a big drop in Miami that would have won Buffalo the game in week three last year, and he dropped the ball or week four, whatever it was. And he dropped the ball. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm looking up wide receiver two rankings. Um, that's give me all of fancy football stuff that I don't want. But yes, I, I do think that there's a lot better wide receiver twos out there. Like yeah, I won't call him the worst. I think there's definitely teams with weaker wide receivers on their team. But if I can go out and get a guy who is borderline number one receiver and bring him in, I don't care if he's a rental player. What do you think about Hollywood Brown? Yes, I don't know. He's he'd be expensive, but he I can't see Arizona turning down any future offer, and he's on an expiring contract. I mean, the only guy I wouldn't take from Arizona is Rondell Moore. I think he's a good thing he has speed, but to me, he's not better than Gabe Davis. I I don't want not that I want to see Buffalo build a team like Miami, but I want to see Buffalo get a guy that has speed, um, that can really be a game breaker with his speed. Hardy is supposed to be that. He's not getting the ball enough either. Yeah, okay. I was just about to say, they added a guy like that. They just haven't given him the ball. It's. I think Greg, friend of the podcast, Greg from Cover One, um, did a breakdown, or, or one of the guys at Cover One had a really good picture up. And in the description, he said, something to the lines of, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this to the best of my knowledge, but more or less he had showed where Hardy was on the field, had a triangle around Hardy. And there was three guys surrounding Hardy. And Stefan Diggs was wide open. Diggs got the ball, Buffalo got a first down on that play. But he described it perfectly, and he said, Deontay Hardy is not, you know, turning heads with him getting the football, but it's what he has been doing without the football that has been um, helping this offense. And teams are seeing him as a threat and are forced to keep an eye on him in open space and forcing Josh Allen to go to the wide open Stefan Diggs, the wide open Gabe Davises, whatever it might be, 
So while he is not impacting the game with the ball in his hands, he's still impacting the game without the ball in his hands. I like that. So just much different. But now I also want to go get a wide receiver, too, that can impact the game with the ball in his hands and who would get the ball a lot more than than Mm -hmm. Gabe Davis. I think Josh Allen maybe, maybe, maybe still has a little bit of a lack of trust in in Gabe Davis, even though he wore a (laughs) Gabe Davis grape shirt uh, in practice the other day. (laughs) Grape Davis, that's so funny. I I don't know. I, I mean... If you're Brandon Bean, do you go and make a move to get you a real number two receiver? I think it's a little too early for that. So I still think there's room for Gabe to improve, but I just am still very, very, very worried if anything happens to Diggs, it's a real drop. If not that I like trading in the division, but hear me hear me out on this. Things keep going south in New York, which it sounds like that is the wheels have fallen off and it's only a matter of time before that car explodes in New York. Like the the match has been lit. They're just waiting to drop it. Do you maybe call and try to make a trade offer for like an Alan Lazard or 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 a McCole Hardman? I think One the Jets guys? are still trying to run it back next year. So I, I don't know that they are going to trade anyone who they think is a piece for next year, especially if it's one of Rogers' guys. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, and I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with you at all with that. I think if you can go and get some draft capital, though, now to allow you to trade up to get your future franchise quarterback, because let's face it, how much time does Rogers have left? Maybe a year, if that. And what's your plan after that? Because it's definitely not going to be Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, that's actually not and, bad. And a really, somebody, let him sit behind Rodgers. Really good draft to go and get your quarterback of the future this year. Hmm. Just my thought. If you have two first-round picks to move up to go get a guy, do it. So maybe you go and try to make a move and go get yourself a, a guy from New York. They're stacked to the receiver position. All but right, Charlie. One more name for yeah. you, yeah. and I don't know don't know if he'd be traded. Amari Cooper. I like the player. He sounds expensive. All good players are expensive, Nick. That's that. That's where Big Baller Bean makes his money. That's that's a tough squeeze in the season when you're already paying people. Well, let's see. Amari Cooper. He's, he's 20 mil based. That's going to be tough. Ooh, yeah, okay. I didn't realize he was that deep of a uh, of a base. But also, um, I, th- I think Cleveland thinks that they can compete. They have an amazing defense. I don't know. What, I don't see Cleveland as a seller at this point. No. Uh, I, the, my, my favorite one, though, that you mentioned is Jerry Judy, and I will go back to that. Over and over because mm-hmm. you know, talk about another another team where the wheels have just completely fallen off. Um, it's Denver. It's sad. Russ, yeah. Russ is he looks cooked. Russ has been cooked. That's uh, someone uploaded a video of like some brisket. I don't know if you saw this this week on on Twitter. <laughs> the brisket they cooked and it was all burnt and I saw a comment underneath and someone goes 
this is what happened when you let Ross Russ cook. I'm like, yep, absolutely. This is spot on. That's sad. Poor Russ. Poor Russ. Listen, let me let me throw one more thing out there at you. Things could be going very or could be going south very quickly for the Vikings. Is there anyone you like? They're obviously they're not sending Jefferson in the middle of the season. Is there anyone else you might like on the Vikings? Well, didn't Jefferson just go just have a huge uh, contract? Didn't he just sign a big contract? Uh, I think they are. Is that true? I thought they were still waiting to get it done. He's uh, looking for a big contract. I mean, if they didn't, then yes, I would make a move and try to. Um, I mean, we're like looking at KJ Osborne. Uh, I like KJ Osborne. I think he has been. Um, underutilized in that offense. You know, he'd sat behind A.J. Thielen for years. I think I like K.J. Osborne. Um, By the way, Adam Thielen's having a good year with the Panthers? I mean, yes, but I don't like him more than Gabe Davis. No, and I don't think the, Pan- the Panthers have a rookie quarterback. If he's got a receiver he actually, actually likes, I think they got to keep him. Yeah, I I mean I I wouldn't mind trying to make him you know move for a KJ Osborne if you can get him. I just don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's better than Gabe Davis this year. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think listen, the Jets still. I think the Jets are still going to be making a bigger quarterback move this year. I still think that they're trying to go for it. They already pushed their chips into the middle, and. They kind of gotta call their own. Blo- like I don't, I don't know who, what, what they think they're doing with Mike White. Like this is they have too good of a team. They're not gonna tank and be three and whatever. Like the defense is too good. They have the players. They got. I think they're gonna go for it. I wonder if the Bills are gonna like kind of piranha around where the Jets are swimming and say, "Hey, if you're offloading your quarterback, maybe you'll offload a receiver too." I don't know. I mean, look, you're. Quarterback you brought in to save the team took a thirty-four million dollar pay cut last year, and you know in the in the off season, you're going to have money to go out there and go reload. I would take whatever draft capital I could get right now, keep my quarterback, you know, happy as much as I can, go get some draft capital, go get myself my franchise quarterback, and let him sit behind one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. That's fair. But I also won't be surprised if they trade for Kirk Cousins. That's what I'm saying. Um, Wait, Nick, which, by the way, I mentioned this like months ago on the pod. Eventually, down the road, they, if they let's say they trade away Kirk Cousins, the defense is not doing well, things are going poorly. Why would Justin Jefferson want to resign? Could you imagine Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs on the same football team? I mean, they could tag him. They could do all the baloney. Why would you sign if you were him? I mean, how much cap space do you think you need to open up for Justin Jefferson? I mean, probably one of the best receiver contracts of all time. It would be very difficult. But I, this, I'm, I'm just dreaming over here. I'm living in my fantasy world where the salary cap actually isn't real. Uh, just let, let me have that for like two seconds. Do you think Josh Allen would take a $34 million pay cut to bring in a guy like Justin Jefferson? (laughs) 
Oh man, that's a question I don't have an answer for. I mean, Buffalo's a lot cheaper to live than uh, the New York City. You know, maybe if he ends up with Haley and she's got enough money, maybe he doesn't need it all. You know, speaking of that, Nick, <laughs> all these Swifties are all so supportive of Taylor Swift and 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 and, and Travis Kelsey, but all these Haley Seinfeld fans hate Josh Allen because he's dating <laughs> Haley Seinfeld. I follow an embarrassing amount of Haley Seinfeld's uh, fan accounts now. You have to. You're in media. It's part of your job. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they are worried that he's like going to corrupt her. And, and she's, she's this uh, basically she's Barbie and he's just Ken kind of vibe. I did see that she was in the game at the game in Buffalo. That was yeah, unconfirmed, but it, it looked it looked like that. It definitely looked like her. Yes, unconfirmed. Um. So Nick, you are a Swifty. For those who don't know, every time there's a new Taylor Swift album, we do get a ranking from our friend here, Nick <laughs> Veronica, on Twitter. It's probably one of my favorite things to see. Um. My wife is a fellow Swifty with Nick. Not as big as Nick is. She does not rank the songs every, on every album. However, she is a Swifty. Uh, me and uh, Nick's girlfriend and I have tried to get the two of them tickets to a Taylor Swift concert for the last two years, and we have struck out. Down with Ticketmaster. Many a times. Yeah, screw Ticketmaster. Um so they don't get to let out their dream of being Swifties at the Taylor Swift concert together. They probably have matching bracelets, whatever you Swifty fans do. But Nick, as a Swifty fan, as a Taylor Swift fan, does it bother you that she is dating the enemy? Listen, th- this is, this is my take on the situation. You can share this with people. You can feel free to adopt it. You can take it. Just remember where you heard it. Okay. If you have a Swifty in your life, I, I feel like this will be universal, okay? Taylor Swift can do whatever she wants. In her personal life, I'm happy for her. She's kind of, it seems like she's been through some stuff. I hope she finds whatever she's looking for, okay? But do not think, do not think you are going to sell us music about being heartbroken over Travis effing Kelsey, okay? That is my take. Do not think. I don't want to hear... That this lame ass dude, if that's who you're sad about, like you got to figure out yourself. Okay. I don't want to hear a song about that. I am not buying music about Travis Kelsey. I figure it out. That ain't happening. That's my take. Um, okay, then. I don't want to hear a Travis Kelsey breakup song. Not a big fan of Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you Swifties remember. But Travis Kelsey did have a have his own TV show where he dated like fifty girls all at one time. I have no memory of that. Uh, I forgot what it was called, but it was like Travis Kelsey, uh, something dating show. I don't know. Some stupid. It was on like VH1. So obviously, no one has any um, remembrance of that. It was called Catching Kelsey. It came out in twenty sixteen. It was on E. I'm sorry. Sorry, VH1, that I made you deal with that. It was on E, which is even worse than VH1. Former home of the Kardashians. That's all you need to know. Um, 
don't want to hear a Travis Kelsey breakup song, but I am with Mark Cuban. I mean, if she wants to leave Travis Kelsey, Mark Cuban did say today on one of the ESPN shows, leave Travis Kelsey. The Dallas Mavericks have plenty of single people that Mark Cuban is willing to hook her up with. This conversation has gotten off the rails. I saw today you can you can place a bet on what the Daily Mail is going to name their relationship. Oh my god! Do you think the relationship's real? I mean, she's with his mom. Yeah, but like, is it all? It's like she doesn't need the publicity, right? Like she doesn't. It does nothing for her to date Travis Kelsey. But like, I mean, look I mean unless she actually likes the guy, I mean. But but look at what is but the reason I'm saying this is because there's been talk about it not being real. But look at what she look at what is done for Travis Kelsey. I mean, his jersey sales have gone up four hundred percent since she was seen at the game. Yeah. All right. Listen, if you if you want to spin this positive for for Bills Mafia, here's a second take you guys can have. Just imagine how pissed Brittany and Jackson Mahomes are that she's still in their thunder. That that is the only thing that makes me so excited. <laughs> Is like I, I <laughs> Jax Mahomes wanted to do a TikTok with her, uh, and her just be like, "No, that's real." No, 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 not yet. But I, I, I hope, I hope to God that it's real one day. I'd be so happy. Did you, did you look at the? I tagged you in a Taylor Swift analytics thing the other day on. Oh yeah, listen, miss me with all of the like like this phase of the moon and this is their their sign like and this means that they're this, this, that was way too far in the weeds. I don't want to hear any of that. I'm dumber for having read that. You know, I those are the type of things I was expecting from you, Nick, uh not from other Swifty fans. I do have one for you though. We talk you know we're sitting here talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you saw on TV or on the old Twitter machine or X. Um, last night, there was a fan at the Philadelphia Phillies game who was kicked out of the game for trying to bring in his emotional support animal. I did see this. Um, he had to be joking, right? You cannot bring an alligator as an emotional did support animal. Did you read animal. his TV? It's like national note. Like kids are literally going up and petting this animal. It, it for we say animal folks. It was an alligator. It wasn't just an animal. It wasn't a dog. It wasn't a peacock. It wasn't it was a, a horse. Reptile. It was a reptile. It was a, a an alligator. It had to be about four feet long, maybe five. Listen, but I so don't, one guy goes. One guy goes up to him and says, "Can I pet your alligator?" He goes, "Yes." He loves his neck rubbed. And the guy goes, "Willie, sit." Willie lay down and the alligator <laughs> laid down like I would be talking to my dog. What do you mean? It's always laying down. No, like he literally instructed the thing to lay down and it laid down as he instructed it. I got nothing, Charlie. Like, like, so my question to you is what is the strangest motion support animal you've ever seen? And why is it an alligator? Uh seen. <laughs> I mean, that's the one I've ever seen. I've heard. There was a news story a couple years ago about about airlines had uh, like ban emotional support horses or something because they were too big to be on the damn plane. I've seen that not not in person, but I saw that peacock. I've seen someone with emotional support emotional support peacock. You know what I'm a fan of Charlie is uh, an emotional support bagel. 
Sometimes you're like, I just, I just need the bagel. Seeing that, that meme of Kevin James being like, mm. <laughs> okay, that that's how the calorie tracking app looks at me when I enter my emotional support bagel. He's like, mm, did you need that? Do okay. calories count though when you're eating a bagel? Uh, what what was the, what was the the viral thing this week? Something calories don't count. I haven't seen that this this week. Uh, it was it was I'll find it. It was viral. I'm also sending you while we're sitting here talking. I am sending you. Um, sending you pictures of or videos of this emotional support alligator. There's a picture, Nick. I wish I could show it on screen right now. I'm going to send it to you so that I could share it on, on our page. There's a picture of Santa holding this alligator. Jolly old Saint Nick is holding this alligator in his arms. This is too much. This is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> our, our, our dog, like, our emotional support dog is even, like, allowed in the stadium in Buffalo? Yeah, they have to let the emotional support animals in, I think. I mean, you might have to go in a special section, but. I, I don't I've never seen anyone bring their dog into the stadium. I mean, let's face it, Bills fans get plenty of emotional support out in the parking lot tailgating beforehand. You don't need to bring your animal in for any more added emotional support, maybe post-game, but definitely not. Charlie, wait a minute. This is from buffalobills.com. Are you ready? Yes. Section, service animals. Animals are not permitted inside Highmark Stadium with the exception of service dogs and miniature horses. Miniature horses aren't allowed inside the stadium? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> if if you know someone who brings a miniature horse to a game, let me know. First of all, it's always been a lifelong dream of mine ever since Robin Big to get myself a mini horse. I mean, you have to certify it as an emotional support animal. I mean, my dog could definitely camp in most support animal because he causes me more stress than any other dog should. Still love him to death. However, a mini horse is a great way to overcome the stress from my dog. I'm, I'm that's it. I'm I'm going to invest in a mini horse, and we are going to test this theory and try to bring him to a Buffalo Bills game. You still you're forgetting the part where you need to like certify that you have all this emotional. Yeah, that's that's fine. I I can definitely certify that. We're good there. Wow. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're going to get an. I'm going to start a GoFundMe. To buy a mini horse that could be my emotional support mini horse. And we're going to bring him into a Bills game and see what happens. And when they try to turn me away, I'm going to refer them to their own website. This is this is not how I thought the pod was going to go today, Charlie. Hey, it's a good way to end the pod on a fun note because I still can't get over the fact that a man tried to get an alligator into a sporting event with children and people around. And, and real quick in the video, if you haven't seen it yet, I'll post it on, on my page and on the process page. But in the video, he does say, oh, he's never bitten anyone. He's trained not to bite. Those are famous last words. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel until he takes off little Johnny's arm as John, little Johnny's trying to catch a foul ball. Little Johnny would never try to catch a foul ball ever again because he won't have that arm. 
Anyway, Nick, do you want to talk about our sponsor real quick? Charlie, we got to get a score prediction from you before we go. Oh, yes. Okay. Been thinking about this all week. By all week, I mean since Monday, which has been all week. Um, been going back and forth on what I'm expecting. Um, if you hear any weird noise in the background, I'm still, my dog is still nursing his ACL surgery, so I'm still sitting in the room with him. He just decided to chug water at this exact moment in time. So any odd noise in the back, just my dog chugging water while, while I'm coming up with my score, score prediction. Um, I'm not picking a winner because I don't really, I honest to God do not know who the heck is going to win this football game. But I think the score is going to be 38, 36. Wow. Okay. All right. Charlie, I think I said on this pod, we, this must be about two years ago. The bills will be, the favorite in just about every single game ever. If Josh Allen keeps playing the way that he can, this this is this was the actually this was a while ago. This was like as he was ascending into superstar status. Maybe after the Chargers game that first year, I said if he plays like I'm going to pick the Bills every single time ever. There have been games where I felt like they were probably going to lose, and I still picked them because I said that. And I would say the Bengals playoff game. I was like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna lose. I feel like they're gonna lose, but I still gotta pick them. I feel like the Dolphins are just very hot at the right time, and they're gonna present trouble for the Bills defense. But I still gotta pick the Bills. Okay, twenty nine, twenty eight Bills. Wow, it's tight. I like the Dolphins to cover. Maybe I think they're they're getting. Can you, Charlie? The Dolphins scored seventy points. And now they're an underdog, and the Broncos gave up. They 70 played points. the Broncos. It, the Broncos gave up seventy, and now they're a favorite this week. Because it's a matter of pick who's the worst team: the Bears or the Broncos. And the Bears look. I'm just a lot saying that's crazy. Broncos. Dolphins scored seventy and are now getting two and a half points this week. That feels nice. Well, let me give you my lock of the week as well, Nick. While you, while you gave us, you know. Two and a half. Speaking of two and a half points, the Florida Gators are two and a half point underdogs this week going up against Kentucky. My lock of the week for all you sports gamblers, which by the way, I was in Connecticut last week. Bet a lot of money, put a lot of money on Colorado, lost a lot of money on Colorado. Thought Colorado was going to cover it with 21 points. That's a shame. That was not my lock of the week, though, last week. Um, I did get my lock of the week right. But my lock of the week this week is. Gators take the Gators money line over Kentucky. Gators are going to, to beat Kentucky. Um in the swamp? more than two and a half. Nope, it's it it's at Kentucky this year. Road win for the Gators. Road win for the Gators this year. Money line. Lock it in. All right. Sponsor Nick. Let's give him a shout out. Sponsors Ethos Performance Rehab. You know him. You love him. You want to play better? Listen, it is that time of year. It's like men's hockey league is about to start up. It's high school season is in full swing. If you think you need a leg up on the competition, you want to play better, you need the extra edge, the extra burst of speed, you need your legs in the fourth quarter, eat those performance rehab. They'll take you the next step. We promise. Dr. Matt, Dr. Zach, tell them the process sent you. 
Let me tell you a quick story about the uh, guys over at Ethos. I had a friend of mine who was a very good golfer, played in college uh, up in Western New York, um, injured his shoulder, needed to go for rehab, went and visited Dr. Matt over there at Ethos Formis Rehab. Uh, recently was chatting with him. He was actually here in Atlanta. We got together. We're chatting about his rehab at Ethos, and he said he has never felt better hitting the golf ball after going and seeing the guys at Ethos. He's hitting the ball further. He's hitting the ball straighter. They have really done a great job with his rehab and getting him back on the golf course quicker than doctors even expected. So go visit the guys at, at Ethos, Dr. Matt, Dr. Jack. They are incredible at what they do. Um, let them know the process podcast sent you. Maybe we can even get them to start throwing the process podcast on the radio at the gym. Nick, what do you think? Uh, listen, the rules are written. The 10 commandments of the gym are written on the wall. And, uh, one of the commandments over at mustache barbell and fitness is don't change the radio without asking staff. I don't know if we could get that approved. No, I'm asking staff. I'm not staff. We do. We, we big, big fans of mustache, but, uh, I don't know if I, I don't have the power to say yes. Look, as a, as a former gym guy, I know it's hard to believe. Former gym guy over here. I used to listen to podcasts in the gym. Way more relaxed than listening to loud music. I think the folks at Ethos and at Mustache uh, Barbell and Fitness would really, really feel much more relaxed, get a much better pump, much better workout and listen uh, to our voices. See, I'm also a podcast while working out guy. This is not a relaxing gym. This is a powerlifting gym. These are people who are like, you know, chugging, chugging monsters and, and the, the harder stuff that whose name I don't remember. Bang, bang energy. Holy cow. Mm, mm. Uh, th- you know, these guys are trying to, to put 600 pounds on their back and, and pump out one rep with a bunch of spotters. Okay. Th- these guys are not trying to be soothed by Charles Bukowski's Deuce Latones. Okay. They want to hear speed metal and, and gangster rap. And that's it. Okay. Look, nothing could piss off a bodybuilder more than my terrible takes on the Buffalo Bills. So look, <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, but can you imagine you listen to one of my terrible takes and then you got to set a personal uh, record on the squat machine? Like, I'm fired up. Like, let's go. Guy talking bad about Gabe Davis. Oh, one more rep. Okay. That's right. There you go. Look, oh, he said Gabe Davis is the worst number two receiver in the league. (sighs) Got it. He he didn't pick the Bills to win this week. He just said it was going to be 38 36. Ah oh, man, I'm so I'm so nervous. Like this might be a good good week for me to have my Apple Watch on and just measure what my heart rate's at. Can Can I ask you one thing? Like like as you know, <laughs> Bills fan here, why are you nervous? Like like for me this week, like this is gonna be fun. This is two Dude, great teams going at it. Is, it. it is gonna be. I just, I hate, and you don't understand this because you didn't live in Florida. I hate losing to Miami. I. I've learned to deal with Patriots fans. Patriots fans can still talk all the crap they want about their six rings that they won. I'm tired of hearing from Dolphins fans anytime you try to have a conversation with them about football, how they are the only team to go undefeated before any of these guys that you talk with or even thoughts in their father and mother's brains. (laughs) Being nice about that. Before these folks were even born, They never saw the Super Bowl that Miami won. They never saw the undefeated football season that 
Miami had. They never saw the fact that Miami went the, I think, all the 70s, they went 28 and 0 against the Bills in 1970. The, in the, I'm sorry, in the 70s. Which, by the way, since I think 1980 something, the Bills are like 49 and 25 against Miami. They didn't see the dominance that Miami ever had in the league. So what what business do they have to sit up here and talk talk craft to me? Th- this is a rivalry game to me, as as I think it's turned into for a lot of fans lately. Um, I, I'm I'm just I'm tired of hearing it from Dolphins fans. I'm tired of them looking at us and be like, "Oh, well, it's Buffalo Super Bowl." Excuse me, we never poured Gatorade on our, on our head coach after a win in Week Four of the regular season. Like what they did again when they beat Buffalo last year, because the entire team was down with heat stroke, because that stadium's got a stupid home field advantage of killing the other team. That's got to be sitting out in the sun, killing the other team. So I mean, you could die of heat stroke. The Bills had like seven players go down with heat-related cramps. But the Bills never whined about getting snowballs thrown at them last year. They ruined all the fun. And let's face it, a dolphin is not really intimidating. <laughs> dumb, dumb team name. Don't know that's where the Jaguars came where, from in Jacksonville, but that's where we leave it tonight. That's where we leave it tonight. Um I don't know. I'm going to be really fired up one way or the other next week when we hop on the podcast. So Make sure to tune in. We might. I don't. Depending on what happens, we'll determine if we do a post game podcast or if we have to wait like three or four days for me just to mentally calm down. But Nick, I know you'll be by your phone, not answering my text messages throughout the game. But uh, you may get some good ones that you can just leave on red. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, chat. Well, appreciate everyone tuning in. As always, you can follow uh, Nick on Twitter at Nick Veronica, on Facebook at By Nick Veronica, and on Threads at Nick Veronica. Nick Veronica, nice and simple on Threads. We gotta get over to that Threads platform. We're we're working on that here, especially if Elon decides to start charging for 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 X. Uh, we'll make that jump fairly quickly. Follow me on on uh, on X on Twitter at Chawit sixty eight. Follow the Process Podcast on Twitter at the underscore Process Pod. Remember to like, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Android, Spotify, wherever you find the Process Podcast. Give us a like. Leave us a comment. We want to know your thoughts, uh, concerns, good, bad, all the good stuff. Leave five stars. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in this week. Go Bills. And most importantly, remember to always trust the process.